Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. Happy New Year. Or welcome to 2021. I don't know what you are calling your week, but um, hated to start this week off, or this first week of the year off with um, online church. Not what I was expecting to have happen, but you know, we got to roll with what we got. And um, so you just need to pray for us. We just got a lot of people that help us and volunteer as our staff. I mean, it's just crazy this week. And we it's not like we all had one big Christmas party. We even canceled our Christmas party and didn't matter and wound up a lot of us getting it anyway. So um, anyway, so we're just uh, pushing through and going to bring the word today. And I'm going to share the same message I was going to share anyway. I really wanted you guys to be here for this, but I pray that you're watching online right now. And if you didn't get it, if you're catching it now and it's sometime later in the day, um, that's great too. Pass along to your friends in church, and um, we're going to start a great new series, I believe. Just something the Lord gave me, I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll get started. But <clears throat> you just saw the video that just popped up on your screen there, the iron sharpens iron. And what this year I just really felt like the Lord wanted us to do is really get back to sharpening one another and really focusing on discipleship and focusing on really strengthening our walk with God. And, you know, after the past year of all the things that we've seen and experienced, it's important sometimes to go back and remember why we're here, what we do, what God calls us to do, and how are we supposed to be doing it. And so in this series that we're going to be doing, it's going to be called The Story. And each one of these uh, series that we do within this series, like a big, long thing, you know, like as far as, you know how you do those, um, kind of like Lost, you know, remember the television series Lost, but there's multiple uh, messages within the big, you know, so that's kind of the way it is. This is going to be called The Story, and this first series we're going to do is going to take this month of January, and we're basically calling it In the Beginning Was God, and we're going to take you through the first five books of the Bible. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach through the Bible every week, a book of the Bible. Some books will be combined because there's too many books. Obviously, there's 66 books in your Bible, but some of them overlap, and some of them just really work together just well. And so we're going to combine a few, but this first few weeks here, the first month of January, we're going to take each book, we're going to go through each five books of the first, you know, five books of the Bible every week. And so how are you going to do that, Pastor Jody? Well, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to do a little bit at a time. But what I want to encourage you with is a couple of things. Is Every week, I want you to read your Bible. And so we're going to start this week in Genesis. And what I did was, now you can use any Bible that you want. doesn't matter, but I've made the commitment to do this with our team. And, and so I'm telling you this now so that you know. But the New Living Translation is the one I'm going to put on the screens for you, whether you're in church, watching online, at home, whatever. But that's the one I'm going to promote because it's already in our system, and it's the one of the easiest translations just to read the Bible. I'm not asking you to study more. I'm not asking you to just get a concordance out. I'm asking you to actually just read the overall story of the Bible. And you can do it if you're a fast reader. Like, I'm not bragging, but if I read fast. If you're a fast reader, I can put down about, you know, a chapter every two minutes. So in Genesis, you know, you might take an hour and a half, maybe. I just timed it this weekend, and if you think that's a long time, we'll just say something. I wasted about four hours off and on watching the Georgia Bulldogs barely hang on to a game that should have been an easy thing. So that's four hours I could have read at least three or four, you know, probably uh, books of my Bible. So let's not look at it like, well, that takes too long. It doesn't take that long. You can break it down every single day, a little bit each day, probably 20 minutes a day, and you knock out a book of the Bible just like that. So... I got, uh, I'm going to be using the New Living Translation for you. I got one of these. Um, I don't know if you can see it, uh, but I'll put it up there for you. But um, on this side, it's a really small print in the middle. But what I did is, I've never done this before. I'm doing this kind of as a little thing for my kiddos. But I, on the margins, there's notes. And when I read the Bible, I just write some random notes. I'm not studying. I'm just reading. And why are we doing that? Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. 
And we have so many study aids and so many study helps out there today that you can get so deep into one thing, you can forget just to read God's Word for yourself and let the Holy Spirit teach you something from His Word. So that's what I want us to do. Every week, we're going to read a book of the Bible. And our team right now online, uh, throughout this, it's either in the chat or in the notes section, no matter what platform you're watching on, whether you're on our campus platform, you're on Facebook, YouTube, whatever you're on, somewhere on there, if you look for it, in the chat section or the notes section or something, there's some attachments or some links. There's a uh, little handout that our team put together, and this week is Genesis. You can download that. It's an amazing resource. I learned so much from it, and listen, I've been to Bible college and all that, but you never get tired of learning God's Word. You never know enough. But in that little handout uh, our team put together, it's got some great questions for you, some simple things to think about this week, and some challenging thoughts like, hey, some did you knows. And I want to encourage you, take that little handout, put it alongside your Bible reading. And I know you say, well, I read my Bible. I got a Bible study plan. Pastor Jody, leave me alone. Okay, that's fine. If you have your thing, that's fine. But I'm asking us as a church to do this together. Why would I do that? Because as much friction as so much division that I've seen last year, wouldn't it be nice just to have some people on the same page going in the same direction in something spiritual for the next year? And so I really feel like the Lord led us to do this, and I'm really excited about this. I've already learned so much, and I'm going to get right into this now about the book of Genesis. And this message today, we titled this, In the Beginning, Genesis, and I want to give you this statement that everything about Genesis reveals creation to us. And I could probably preach on Genesis for six months. Like, seriously, I had so much stuff. I had to go, how am I going to do this? What have I gotten into? God, what did you set me up for? Because there is so much in Genesis. But so what I did, I tried to back it off a little bit and say, okay, wait a minute. I'm just trying to give an overview. I'm trying to give some, what is the main thing God might want me to say from this book this week? So in Genesis, everything about Genesis reveals creation to us. Now I'm going to ask you this question. I don't know how many of you guys cook that if you're at home right now or you're watching online somewhere else and whatever, but uh, how many of you cook at home if you like to cook, you don't like to cook, but if you do or if you're going to cook, I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you're comfortable with something, you can kind of just start cooking. You know, I kind of throw some things together sometimes if I'm comfortable with the ingredients, the, 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 the kind of the meal, I can pretty much handle some things, but some things I don't. I've never cooked certain things, so I need the recipe. And if you ever start cooking something that you're unfamiliar with without a recipe, man, you can get into a disaster quick. My grandmother was talking to me about this. We were talking about how to cook some grits because I wanted to cook some, uh, like some chicken and grits, but I was going to make it like Cajun style. You know, I don't do shrimp, so I wanted to put some chicken in it. And so she's asking me, well, did you, did you use quick grits or did you do home style grits? I said, well, I learned my lesson, man. I, I used to think you had to cook those grits like I'd use the quick grits and I keep cooking and cooking and cooking even though it was past the little seven minute time because they didn't seem like they were done and they weren't done. But I learned something. Follow the recipe because on the recipe it says after seven minutes take it off the heat let it sit to the side because watch this grits keep cooking just like rice and if you leave them on the heat until you think they're done when you take them off now they're still cooking even longer and you've overcooked your grits which is where? The whole thing come from you overcooking my grits. Get it? You learned something today. How about that? But you don't want to overcook your food. You want it to be right. What do you do if you've never cooked it before? You take a minute. You look at the recipe. You go, do I have all the right ingredients? Yes, yes, yes. Do I have the right pans? Do I have the right fire, the right heat? Can I pull off what I'm trying to cook? And it's all put down for you so that you know what to do. That's exactly where the book of Genesis is, in my opinion that God put everything down for us so that as long as you follow the recipe and have the right tools, it works. Genesis just 
works. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts this morning, okay? Number one, in the beginning was God. It's an amazing thought process. In the beginning is God. There he was, there he is, there he always will be. He's ever present. I remember asking a kid, as a kid, I was, I was probably, I don't know, eight or ten, somewhere in that age range, and I remember asking someone, I said, well, they were talking about God created the world, God created the earth, he created the heavens, you know, and all these different things, and I thought, well, yeah, I got a question. Who created God? And so the, they looked at me like, you're not supposed to ask that. But, you know, as a kid, you don't care. You ask anything. It doesn't matter. Well, who created God? And they said to me, they said, uh, you need to go ask the pastor that. <laughs> they didn't want to get into all that, I guess. So I found a pastor, one of the spiritual leaders there at the church, and I remember we were talking, and I just said, hey, listen, can I ask you a question? Who created God? And this is what he told me. He said, God has always been. No one created him. I left there thinking, well, that, you know, doesn't really satisfy my answer a whole lot. And the longer I, I wanted to know the answer to this, the more I studied, the more I read as I was growing and as I got older, I finally stumbled along this verse of Scripture that really kind of answered the question for me. And this is in John chapter 1. I know you're thinking, well, if we're in Genesis, why aren't you reading Genesis? Well, I will in a minute. But again, Genesis isn't just one isolated book. You're going to find out that God's Word is throughout the whole of the entire Bible. But in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was God, and the Word was God. Or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. And just a few verses later, in verse 33 of John chapter 1, this is what John says. I didn't know that He was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me that one in whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Right there in those just first few verses, you see God the Father, you see God the Son, and you see God the Holy Spirit. And the same thing is found in Genesis, I'm going to read to you in just a minute. In the beginning was God. John just wrote the same thing that you're going to see in just a minute from Genesis. Now, why am I leading in with that? Because his word confirms to me the truth of all that is. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He created everything through him. Nothing was created that wasn't created by him. When you hear that and when you look around the world today, Every time we have one of these new little phenomenons like the moon and Jupiter and this and that, and then, oh, there's the Bethlehem star, and the, all these different things happen. People go, oh, what is it? What is it? All of these things just simply confirm who he is. You and I, we can barely get to the moon safely. I mean, we can't, but, you know, astronauts barely do that. We're trying to get to Mars, and we're figuring all those things out. God has flung planets into the sky. Our Earth sits on an axis. Everything just works perfectly, and we still question things like, well, I wonder how it all happened. You have to look at the order of the cosmos and look around and know that this didn't just happen, that this was created and nothing was created except it be by God. And when you think about that, it sums up everything for me. When you understand that God created everything, you can trust his word and the truth of his word. But we live in a day where everyone is questioning everything. We want to pick what we think is right. We want to pick our beliefs, our philosophies. We have become more and more humanistic in our thinking. And let's just don't blame the world. 
let's look inside of the church because the scriptures tell us that judgment must begin in the house of God. So we need to look inward versus looking outward. There's one thing that I've learned over the last year is this. We don't have our stuff together near as much as we think we do. The humanism, listen to this. What, what is humanism, Pastor Jody? Well, it's an outlook or a system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. It, it comes in about like this. So in social media, you can be a nice little sweet Christian, you know, and just put on the, something like, I love Jesus, and put a nice little scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It used to be intent on just being sharing the good news. And before long, you get some little nasty trolls coming out from under the bridge. What do you mean, God? And before long, you got five people complaining about your version of the Bible that you posted about why you should have said this or why you shouldn't have said that. Why? Because all they care about is what they want to put forward. They don't care about what the text says. Why not just let God speak? Why just leave people alone if they want to post about God and how much they love God? Just leave them alone. Why do we have to correct them? Because we want it to be what we want. And social media is just like the television in the 80s. People, you know, got all crazy about the television and stuff. Oh, my gosh, it's going to poison our minds. And, you know, maybe that's true. But there was a lot of good that came out. Well, the Christians used it to minister to a lot of people. And that's true with social media today. But for the most part, when you look around, even the creators of this are saying now, I don't know that we've done the right thing by giving it so much ability because everybody now is so brave with such keyboard courage. We question his word. We link it to preachers who fail us, and then so we're let down. But God's word stands alone. I don't know if you know this or not, but God doesn't need a preacher, a politician, doesn't need anything, doesn't need a coach, doesn't need a, a pastor, doesn't need a leader. He doesn't need anybody. To stand. His word stands all by itself. And if every other preacher in the world follows, it doesn't matter. God's word's still going to stand true. If I preach something to you and my words align with God's word, praise the Lord, man. Amen. boy, Pastor Jody. But if I don't line up with God's word, don't you dare look at what I say and make a spiritual decision and decide I'm not going to follow God because Pastor Jody's an idiot. You ought to know the word for yourself so that you can stand on his truth because his word will stand when no one else does. I don't care if a hundred fall and half of America, Christianity falls to the ground. I'm not going to be moved by that. Then It just tells me one thing. Either A, it wasn't real faith or maybe the trials of life, whatever it was, but I'm going to stand on his word. That's where we've got to be, not on what everybody else is doing. That's humanism, focusing more on what humans are doing rather than what a supernatural powerful god is doing in the earth that's what you got to stand on we're confused about our identity it's all humanism and that goes beyond gender by the way but we're confused about it the word makes it very clear where our identity comes from and that is from god not from a movement not not by what i want to identify i'm not picking i'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody but i just want to hear right now if you believe the bible it's very clear God created. Very simple. He created things and he put them in motion and that's the way that they are. I don't get my identity from my politics. I don't get it from a leadership. I don't get it from a denomination. I get my identity from God. But when I'm humanistic in my belief system, I'm always looking to somebody else to fill something or a need or whatever I want instead of looking to God. In the beginning was God and God created. Second thing I want to share with you right now. He created what, Jody? He created everything. Watch this. What John said, now watch. Here's, here's what Moses said in Genesis 1. 
Genesis 1, verse 1. He says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I don't know if you picked this up right there, but the same thing that John just did. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word's with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, if you read on in John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the same thing. In the beginning was God the Father. And he goes on and he says, and the Spirit of God was hovering. That's the Holy Spirit hovering across the earth. And then when the God said, that's his word, that's Jesus, he spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. In John 1, 14, I'll give you the verse for you. John said this, so the word became human and made his home among us. You need to know something right now. What Genesis declares about Jesus. We sometimes look at Christmas just a few weeks ago and we think, well, baby Jesus, that's when he began. Listen, that is not when he began. He's always been. He's always was. He was back there with God from long before the world was ever formed. Jesus was ever present. He decided to become flesh, to dwell among us so that he would know what it was like to be us and become a sacrifice for us. But he's always been with God. In the beginning, he was. He's never just, you know, at the you know, A.D. when we changed the whole timeline. That's when Jesus was born. No, 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 no. That's when his flesh was born. He's always been. And he's always, whenever the word is spoken, he is the word of God became flesh among us. In Genesis 1.26, watch what God says. All of creation right here in the beginning is creation. Genesis 1.26, he says, then God said, let us, watch us. Who's us? You think that's God and the angels or, you know, maybe a couple of, you know, seraphim, blind. No, no, no. This is the Lord. This is Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. And God said, let us, plural, make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea. That's for all you fishermen out there, right? All the birds in the high sky, all the dove hunters, right? The livestock, you cattle farmers there. And all the wild animals on the earth, that's you deer hunters. And all the small animals that scurry, that's for everybody that hates like, you know, them little bugs that come around you. I just squish them or whatever you got. You know, them little like spiders and, and ants and things like that. That's for all you don't like to do any other kind of hunting stomp on the ants, you know. You've got dominion over all this stuff. I mean, wouldn't it be bad if the ant just grabbed you by your leg and slapped you around like that and threw you down? No, God gave you dominion. And that's still the way it is. So God created these things. And watch this. He says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Watch. Male and female, he created them. If you understand creation, I'm not trying to pick a fight. Identity comes from the creative process in God. It's a simple statement. He created us male and female. But when you get into a humanistic form of view, that's all up for debate now. And I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just giving you an example of why this is important to get back to some basics of your Christian faith. Identity comes from God, not from humans. All of these things and all of the beginnings you're going to find in Genesis, the creation. You're going to find the fall. You're going to find the flood. Babel. Abraham. Joseph and Israel, there's some of the high spots. And if you think that our world has just now been exposed to certain sins, you'd be wrong. You go back and read about Adam and Eve and how they turned their backs on God, gave the whole garden up. Both of them did. It wasn't just Eve, Adam and Eve. He was there with her. They both took of the fruit together. 
Read about Lot in the town square of Sodom and what the men wanted to do there to the angels of the Lord that came into town that day. Read about Cain and how he killed Abel and why. Read about the condition of the world and when the flood came and why God destroyed the earth before Noah's ark. Read about Abraham, the man who was given the covenant of God. And read about how he lied about his own wife for fear of what they might do to him. Read about Joseph's brothers and what they did to him and Potiphar's wife and how she lied about Joseph. And yet, in the middle of that, he trusted God. Read about the politicians in Egypt. And read about how they turned on God's people after God delivered the whole world. And watch how they turned their backs on them. We live in a day now where Christianity prefers... Say a couple of things and make sure I say it right. Christianity, we prefer this... This, this idea of, of Jesus over God. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Jody? Well, and it's not based on anything in God's word. We like it because Jesus loves us. Jesus has all his movies are cool, you know, like he heals people. He loves people. All the sinners love him. He, you know, everybody just loves Jesus. You know, he's just, he's the cool guy out of the Trinity, it seems like. And everybody just loves Jesus. God, everybody's like, man, he floods the earth. Boom, lightning and fire, meteors from heaven. You don't know what he's going to do kind of thing. The Holy Spirit, people think he's weird. So it's like, we just love Jesus. He's easy, simple. He's sweet. He's kind. He's got blue eyes, you know, and all that kind of stuff or whatever people make up. But I hate to tell you, he didn't have blue eyes, and he probably wasn't white either. Okay, is that for you as well? He's, you know, probably a really dark-skinned man. He's in the Middle East, you know what I mean? So anyway, Jesus, everybody loves, but without his word. Because they think Jesus just accepts whatever comes along. In the day of Christ... They preferred God over Jesus based on not God's word, but based on their word. They preferred God over Jesus. Today, what I mean by that is we prefer Jesus as a friend over his instructions for life. If you understand what God said in his word, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and welcome. If you understand what he's saying is this word is the same thing if Jesus was here today, is what he would be speaking to you. You can't pick and choose what this says and say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't know about some of that stuff in the Old Testament. He is the Old Testament. There's nothing in here that's not Jesus. But when you make it on a humanistic viewpoint of Jesus, he's like some hippie that's cool and just hangs out with you and loves you through all your stuff. No, he will confront you at times. You can't read his Bible and read his word and get away and go like, oh, you know, he just loves me no matter what. No, 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 he will will confront you on things at times. So why am I leading up to this? Because also in the beginning, there are foundations. The last thing I want to share with you today is this. In the beginning is the foundations. Why, Pastor Jody, what I need to go back and start reading Genesis. Because Christians today say, I hear this all the time, that the Old Testament is legalistic, It's not necessary, and they refuse to read it. And yet, in numerous writings, we are told to go back and read the Old Testament. Let me just give you a few real quick. Romans 15.4 says, These things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. They teach us things, give us hope and encouragement. This is all New Testament scripture, by the way. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. All these things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So they're, they're not only to teach us to give us hope and, and encouragement, but to and as an example for you and I, so I learned what not to do. 
I learned from these guys and these gals. And they warn me who live at the end of the age. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, now in, but three of us in the room right about now, but all of us, you can put online, you can post in your little chat right there, all means all. All scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do is right or teaches us to do what is right. Jesus makes numerous references to Moses' writings in Genesis or in the Torah. We'll talk about that next week a little bit. But you cannot separate Jesus from Genesis. The moment you do, you separate the Bible from truth. You cannot separate Jesus from the Old Testament. The moment you do, you take truth out from who God's word is. I'm going to give you the last couple of thoughts on this. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus was talking to his disciples. I don't know if you've read this in a while, but this is the story of after the resurrection. And Jesus is talking. He's kind of hidden himself somehow. These guys don't know who it is, but it's his disciples, some of his disciples, not the 12, but some others. They're so sad and dejected. And Jesus says, why are you so upset? And they said, well, haven't you heard? You must be the only guy. I love how they say, you must be the only guy that ha- you know, in Jerusalem that hadn't heard this. He's probably thinking to himself, I was the guy in Jerusalem. You know what I'm saying? But they're listening, they're talking to him. And you must be the only guy who hasn't heard what happened to, to Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet and they killed him and did all this stuff. And Jesus said, uh-huh, oh, wow. And so Jesus said this. He started talking to them and and he was, he was just sharing things with them and listening to them. And the Bible goes on after their long conversation in Luke 24, verse 25. You can read the whole chapter later. But Luke 24, verse 25. So then Jesus says to them, about the end of a seven-mile journey, listen to them whine and complain. He said, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly dedicated or predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Watch this, verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, why did not Jesus tell them about the three years that he just spent with them? Why didn't he just do that? Why did he go back to Genesis? Because he's revealed in Genesis. He is the foundation of all that is. In John 5, he did the same thing. He kept referring to other people and going back and going back and going back. He doesn't use his own witness to do this, but in John 5, if you read this in the whole context, he testifies of a number of different things. It's the place in Bethesda where the healing took place, where the guy's sitting there and the angel stirred the water and he didn't get healed. He's kind of upset about it. And Jesus shows up and the angel's gone. So what does Jesus do? He says, man, you don't need that angel. I'm the God that you're looking for. And the man is healed right there. It's a witness of the might of God, except Jesus didn't get glory for it. He testifies of the Sabbath, which he says only that he does what the Father says do. It's the witness of his deity. That he can do work, even though it's on the Sabbath and no one's supposed to, he can do things because he's God. He testifies of the two resurrections for the just and the unjust. It's a witness of his prophetic, who he is as the Christ. He testifies of John the Baptist who's proclaiming Jesus. He's the witness of the Messiah. He testifies then of his works, works that only God could do. The witness of his equality with God. And then he says this. He testifies of his father. He says that God has proclaimed about him as a witness of the Son of God. And to cap it all off, you would think all those things would be enough. But he didn't really push that to get glory. He just gave testimony to those things. All those 
those things people saw, but this is what Jesus spoke. John chapter 5, verse 45. He says, yet it isn't I. In other words, it's not all these things that I just did for you. This is not what you better watch out for. Listen to what he said. It's not I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. And watch what Jesus said. I love this, verse 46. If you really believed in Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Man, listen, that verse of scripture right there, if you just tune in right now in the last three minutes, that's right there's all you needed right there to open up your Bible, to break open Genesis and start reading for yourself. And all you do is just look for Jesus in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus as we go through this. I'm telling you, it's going to expand your faith. It's going to stretch your beliefs. It's going to help you to see Jesus in a different light. But Jesus said, man, listen, if you believe Moses, that's great. But guess who he wrote about? So when you read your Bible, understand this, you're reading about Jesus. So as we start this week, we're going to start Genesis. Handouts on your screens right there on your notes section or wherever it is. Download that. Next week, hopefully, we'll back open up and uh, we'll have those available for you in the house as well. But we're going to take this week, read Genesis. I'm going to ask you every week, did you read Genesis? Did you read Exodus? Did you read Leviticus? I know some of you think, man, there's some books I don't like. I get it. But God didn't tell us, do you like it or do you not like it? That's what humanistic people do. Humanistic people say, I'm going to do what I want. We're not like that. We are people of God. We're going to do what God asks us to do if we're going to read his word. So I'd encourage you to get you a good Bible. Or a close day. Get you a good Bible that you can read. Get one that's easy to read. I have some friends. I'll share some stuff with you throughout this year, some resources. But get you one that's easy to read. Again, like I said, the New Living Translation is a very easy Bible to read. The ESV is very easy to read. Look, if you can't afford a Bible, you don't have one, and you need one, you'll let one of us know in the chat box there or somebody there will we'll help you get a Bible, okay? So I encourage you to get a Bible. Take this weekly sheet we created and read it this week. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis this week, all right? And then I want to pray for you today. If you're watching right now, I just want to take a moment here to pray for you. I know that many of you right now are um, dealing with a lot of stuff going on as we are, and uh, I just want to pray for us, pray for our families, pray for those that are in the hospitals right now working in different ones. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I'll just take a minute here to share this with you. But on the front page of the news in our county, they had numerous healthcare workers who are saying, like, look, just help us out, would you? So it makes you really think about some things. Listen, let's try to all do what we can, whether you believe what you believe or don't believe what you believe, about washing your hands, about masks, about whatever else. Look, these are people that live in our city. These aren't politicians anymore. These aren't people anywhere else. These are in your community. Their, their beds are full. Maxed out, they're exhausted. They're asking us to do some stuff to help them. So let's just do our part, okay, guys? Let's let's do our part. Let's see if we can help out. Try to try to do what we can help them do some of this stuff. But let me pray for you right now. I think if we do our part, we ask God to do His part. I think we can do great. Father, we just thank you for today, and thank you, Lord, for those watching right now. Thank you, Lord, that that you watch over us, God. You you, you protect us, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I still stand and declare Psalm 91 over our church, our family that no matter what comes against us, no matter what we see happen around us, Lord, I thank you that plagues and diseases, Lord, I thank you, Lord, they will not overtake us. I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you watch over and protect families in our church and our community. I pray for those healthcare workers right now, God, that are begging us to help them. I pray that you'd strengthen them, God, give them courage right now. I pray that you'd uh, give them strength right now, Lord, as they go in every day in their 
fighting these things. I pray that you'd help them. Lord, let, let them have just a, a let them just realize you're with them. Just fill those hallways with the peace and the hospitals right now. And I pray for them, Lord. I do. I lift them up to you, God. I pray for strength and leadership in those in every medical area in their community. God, I pray for those watching if they don't know you right now, if they've never accepted Jesus. I ask you, Lord, that they would follow you watching online, you've never accepted Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and everyone online, they're going to be praying for you right now, but you simply pray something like this, you say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my soul, dear Jesus, I ask you to save me, to forgive me, I ask you to be my Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. That prayer. We are so proud of you as a church family right now. Like giving you some love right now. There's nobody in here to really to give you a whole lot of love, but online right now, they can blow up some hearts and blow up some stuff like that. There's about three of us in here. Like, why don't we do like you can hear me and maybe cherish and maybe two more people? <laughs> like, that's about all of us. So, hey man, listen, we're so proud of you for praying for that. And like let our pastors know right now, they love to see you some information and we get started with walking with God. And uh, man, we love you guys. We're praying for you. Before we go, we always like to dismiss with this blessing of your life. And right now, more than ever leave this all in my heart. First of the year, 2021, I'm going to declare this over you and your family, like we've been doing, but we're just going to hold fast to this. But in Numbers 624, it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And that's our prayer for you. We love you guys so much. Anything we can do, let us know. We'll see you Sunday. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.